I'm Tracy Johnson, and this is the Red Tent Living Podcast, where brave women host honest conversations about our beautiful and hard ordinary. This season, we tackle the messy truths of friendship. I'm excited for you to join us. Welcome to our table. This week on the podcast, you get to listen in on a conversation between Mary Helen Martins and Rachel Blackston. These two women are incredibly gifted at tuning in to what a storyteller is sharing, and you'll hear it in their conversation with one another. They are tender, they are kind, they are warm and welcoming, and I think you're really gonna enjoy listening to them as they share two very different stories with one another on this week's prompt around more than a friend. Hi, Mary Helen. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. Such a joy to be able to join on this conversation about friendship. I know. What a great topic. I'm glad they chose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to read yours first? Sure. I would love to. Beams of sunlight brightened the red rocks. Their ruddy tones stood in stark contrast to the cobalt sky. With a paper map from the rental car company sprawled across my lap, I navigated us up I-17 from Phoenix to the Grand Canyon. We were both 24 and craved wide open spaces, but had very little cash. We were thrilled when we found a Southwest flight from Orlando to Phoenix for under $200. This is breathtaking, I said with giddiness as I shuffled the dial to the local Christian radio station. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I belted out these lyrics in between a chatter of asking questions and telling stories. Kathy was deep in reflection, an artist with an eye for beauty and mystery. The desert landscape captivated her. She had recently gone through a difficult breakup and her melancholy tone was distinct from my boisterous sanguinism. Her energy was like the sacred mesas lining the horizon, while mine was like the cheerful and dazzling blue sky. I looked over at her and noticed she was mustering the courage to say something. Rachel, could you, could you please stop talking? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. A tad flustered, I turned off the radio and began to sit with my own body. There was a safety in our relationship that kept me from spiraling into shame. As I sat with myself, I noticed how it was both jarring and intriguing for Kathy to ask for a need. I didn't realize how much noise I lived with and how much shame I carry over asking for something as simple as some quiet during a scenic car ride. I came from a family who valued strength and independence. I was a woman who drove alone to the emergency room when I was having respiratory issues and hoisted overstuffed carry-on bags into the overhead bins with a need to exude self-reliance. This trip was 20 years ago, and we didn't have categories for my Enneagram 2 or her Enneagram 4. Still today, I hold gratitude for the way Kathy regularly invites me to stop and notice the pace of my body and offer care to myself. We got married to our husbands just two weeks apart from each other, She was my matron of honor, and I was her maid of honor. My first three years of marriage to Michael were marked by both joy and tumult. Our trauma stories collided, and I had very little ability to know or communicate my own needs amidst vacillating blow-ups and distance. I felt powerless and desperate amidst his addiction. 
For a reprieve, I spent the night at Kathy and Matt's house. When my body got a taste of safety, I began to feel all that I was containing. I woke up terrified, not knowing if our marriage would make it. I felt a desire to wake Kathy up so that I didn't have to bear the torture of this feeling in isolation, but my body felt paralyzed in fear. It was 2 a.m. Tediously, inch by inch, like climbing the Grand Canyon midday, I made my way to Kathy and Matt's bedroom. Kath, I'm really scared, I whispered as I roused her out of deep sleep. Kathy came over to their spare bedroom and stroked my hair for an hour, weeping with me, speaking words of comfort, praying on her knees beside me, beckoning God for healing and restoration. As a little girl, I never woke my parents up in the middle of the night. But this night with Kathy changed something in me. This moment was an instance of remothering, repairing my deep vow to never be weak and reminding the nerve endings in my skin how good touch feels. Through my friendship with Kathy and several other dear friends, I have carved out new tracks in my brain that move from fear and overwhelm to care and goodness. In a world that idolizes our need for romantic love, the sacred gift of friendship is often overlooked. Proverbs said, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. A deep, faithful friend that holds both sacrificial love and the ability to receive care is a picture of what we are made for. What a beautiful friendship you have. Thank you. What are you feeling right now? As I read it, I'm feeling so grateful and yet the terror of that moment I still feel is very near just what a a decision that was to think, should I wake her up in the middle of the night? I really remember just very, is a short distance, but very, very slowly walking over there. And yet there was so much goodness that ensued from that little choice, right? It felt gigantic to me when you mentioned the inch by inch. I thought how terrifying. I was really awed by your your courage there and your desire. Yes. It's so much desire to not be isolated anymore. Yes. And that you honored it too. You know, you didn't ignore what your body was asking for. Mm, thank you so much. The desperation and panic of the moment kind of propelled me into the moment of asking. And yet the goodness is something that has literally changed my body forever. I mean, it was such a corrective experience. Just this feeling of not wanting to put somebody out, of feeling too much, of having to kind of exude the sense that I've, I've got this. And I, I couldn't believe how privileged she felt for the opportunity I mean, this wasn't ha- something that happened every day. <laughs> so to, to be woken up from sleep and to see just the fear on my face, the sadness, she offered such beautiful care and really felt it. I have such a distinct memory of her just stroking my hair and shedding tears and holding me. And I don't have many memories of something like that as a little girl. So to have that as an adult, a young adult was so powerful. Absolutely. Like I really, I had tears, you know, just listening to that because that's just such a beautiful picture of mothering. Mm. 
you you've, you obviously had to feel so so much safety with her that would then go yeah because that was very very intimate it was so intimate and I think that it almost takes my breath away thinking about the intimacy of that moment and yet again I think I was at such a place my it was like I was opened up to just this me it was just kind of gutted and terrified and disoriented after you made that move did you notice a change right away in your ability to receive care or was it something you had to do many times? That's such a great question. I mean, I think there was probably some aftermath of kind of feeling so vulnerable, wanting to like contain everything back up the next morning. But honestly, the reality is that something that was undeniable happened. I can never really fully go back to what life was like before that moment. There had been some preparation for this, like when she asked me to stop talking in the car. I um, noticed right away the shame you felt, but then you also were intrigued. I really was. I remember that, like feeling really embarrassed and kind of like boisterous, and I didn't even really realize it. And then the moment to kind of go back to my body and be like, wow, that was kind of okay. Like we survived that moment. In fact, we we laugh about that story, like the toast at my wedding. She, we told that story. In a lot of ways, there was a sweetness about it. It was also this deflection from kind of this own inner space, but she was very well-versed in kind of getting into her inner space, and I was not. Yeah, she put language to that, it sounds like, for the, you know, or she started to invite you to your body. Yes, yes. Yeah. It sounds like she still does that for you. She does. She really does. I mean, there are so many moments. She's a somatic therapist. There's so many moments today still that she just invites me back into my body. And it's changed me. It's It really has. It's been really beautiful. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about was this whole idea of covenants of friendship. Even this idea that we put so much emphasis, I think, in, in the church on romantic love it really narrows something when we do that. Yes. And yeah, just just thinking even about my single friends and how much friendships can be a place of life, beauty, sanctification, you know, living out our calling. I mean, it's just, there's so much to our friendship. I'm just curious of what, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I'm married, but there's so many places that that relationship can't fill you know and it's just like yeah it's a shame when we kind of discount or even kind of put those relationships aside when we marry or when we have a partner yeah yeah I know I love that you highlighted that yeah there's no way that we can't do life without friends I was really inspired to just by the, the risk you took like for me I'm just looking into the next week in my life is going to be filled with a lot of shifts and some tense conversations with some people. And I just thought, I really want to risk to put in place, like, where do I need care? Where can I ask for that? Or where can I choose that? Yes. I really appreciated that. Oh, I want to borrow some of your courage. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that to let that resonate and Oh, well, I feel so seen, Mary Helen. Well, you feel ready to to enter into your story? 
Um, sure, that would be good, I think. Sister friendship. It's uncomfortable to put those words together in a sentence. Some grown sisters are thick as thieves, loyal, playful, and each other's biggest allies. I've often been jealous of those types of sister friendships. Other sister friendships are more like my own, complicated, hurtful, and difficult to, to traverse. My friendship with my sister has been deeply marred. We live in the same state, and over the last decade, we've seen or communicated with each other a handful of times. The loss of this once perceived pal has caused me massive grief. I felt powerless to change a thing. As I've pondered our relationship, I think we got off to a bad start. She was my first friend and five years older. There were two treasured boys before her and one baby lost at birth after her. I wonder how she felt as my arrival approached. Did she anticipate a close bond? Would I steal the meager attention she relied on from our middle-aged parents? I showed up a sparkling blue-eyed darling and the apple of my father's eyes. I somehow found my way to catch my father's limited gaze. I always longed to play with my sister. As a fourth grader trying to find my place in the neighborhood girl group, I was lonely. Across from our stone house with the big porch lived my favorite friend, Lou. She was also the youngest in her family, and everyone called her a tomboy. She wore jeans, had a pixie haircut, and excelled at sports. Lou was esteemed by my sister. One especially painful day for me started out quite typically. The moment I awoke, I began looking for a playmate. By the time I walked out of our front door, I noticed that I had already lost my chance to play with Lou. My sister was heading down our street on the new green Schwinn 5-speed she had received for her birthday, and Lou was following after her. I wanted to join them, so I grabbed my junky blue bike, a hand-me-down. It was cool enough with the banana seat and curly handlebars. I knew immediately that they were trying to ditch me. They were riding fast, and I had to pedal hard to catch them. I wanted to be welcomed so badly that I sped down the steep hill, desperately crying out, Wait for me! I want to play! They flew down the slope, trying to get away. I felt defeated, but I was determined to catch them. I raced down the hill, nearing them, when they stopped abruptly. I squealed my brakes to a halt. My sister turned her bike around and faced me with a stern look that let me know that I was making her life miserable. She then spoke out loud the words that we all knew were true. I don't want to play with you. I want to play with Lou. She's much cooler than you. The rejection felt crushing. I dropped my head toward the ground, spun my bike around, and sluggishly began to ride back up the hill. I felt myself choke as the tears flowed like a river down my cheeks. We never spoke of it again. I've spent hours unpacking the origins of that painful memory and other fissures in my relationship with my sister. Over the last years, I've held an ache with scant hope for reconciliation. I've doubted if mutual repair would ever happen. Recently, an opportunity for some engagement has come about, and I'm confused about how I feel. 
The longing for my sister as a playmate is still deep, and I wonder why it matters so much to me. Will restoration occur? Will we ever understand the setup that began when we were children or unpack the circumstances that led to envy, judgments, and rejection between us? I long for newness between us, but I cannot deny the pain I have felt. My sister hosts a reunion in a few short weeks and has invited me. I have trepidation, but I plan to attempt. Will we ever want to play again? Or is it too late? I have many questions and few answers, but one thing I know is this. I've never lost hope and I no longer want to play the way we used to. How, thank you. How was that for you sharing that story? I was well, and then when I got to the end, I got real sad. I felt a little shaky even in my body a little bit. Yeah, I heard your voice tremble a little bit. And yeah, what do you make of that? I was surprised. I, I thought I might have some tears or something during the actual story story where, you know, when I was younger, and I didn't feel that as much as the recent years. So that surprised me. Yeah, Mary Helen, I mean, I lost my breath thinking about you moving back in to going to this reunion and yet, oh my, the courage and the hope that has never died. I mean, tenacious hope. There's a, a little girl that was, gosh, so gritty. I mean, to jump on your beat up bike and pedal as fast as you can to catch up. I mean, I was so drawn to her. She had a lot of desire. I'm kind of odd at how aggressively she wanted connection, which speaks to her lack of connection in her home. She was so starving. Yes. I feel like the the deprivation of literally the sense that Lou was it. Your sister's favorite friend and your favorite friend. And I'm just thinking like, oh my. Yeah. She was the only safe friend in the neighborhood. I had some dangerous friends in the neighborhood, but she was the one that was just pure and like just yeah, playful. I was so struck by a couple of lines, Mary Helen. The first line is this idea that there's so much to this notion of we had a bad start. It's such a profound line because it's, it's not about the story of the bike. It's like, oh, the bad start. And your lines say so much. And they stirred so much curiosity of this idea that would I steal the meager attention she relied on from my middle-aged parent? Yeah. That's where I can really empathize with her. When we first had the fissure where there was no more conversation you know I was angry and hurt but now you know the more I understand the setup in our family the more I see like how I just kind of stole any little bit of attention she had I think Mm. which just gives me a ton of empathy toward you know young her yeah that's what I felt like your parents were all throughout the story but sort of not 
named other than just a couple lines of the story. Yeah, there's definitely a reason why I think we were, we we got a bad start. (laughs) Yeah, didn't change much. Yeah. There's a lot around me, my dad's favorite. (laughs) There was a big class to that. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is, right, as a child, there wasn't a whole lot I did to, I wasn't trying to get that. I just was. You were just being you, like this precious little blue-eyed girl that had all this grit that jumped on her bike, you know, that was going after a relationship. But somehow maybe that, I was just curious if that kind of got seen as, I don't know, you somehow kind of maneuvering to get that or in a many of my stories that I remember showing up caused me a lot of harm so for sure that is a thematic thing for me so to step into places is risky to use my voice is risky you know yeah I know you may not have thought much about this, but even as you talk about this reunion and your decision to go, I feel cautious hope for you because there's been so much pain. But I was just thinking kind of as the setup fades away a bit, oh, like what does adult Mary Helen, who loves inviting people to play and has a deep heart and wants to take up space and what does that look like? It gives me an imagination for it. I, but I feel I feel cautious for you, for sure. Yeah, I think there's both. Something that I'm really going to take away from your story in the coming week and maybe like years is just this idea of taking just a courageous inch by inch that you shared. It doesn't have to be this mile long big jump. Just an inch by inch by inch to get me to the care that I need. I think I'm going to hold on to that for a long time. And I just appreciate that you shared that in your story because it's something I can visualize and I can picture. And I think it's really going to be a gift to me. And I really take from you this bravery to not bury a longing thinking about some relationships in my life where it has been easier to cut off because there's been pain and thinking about the places of allowing desire, allowing hope to emerge in the midst of pain. I think that the repair, I mean, I I hope for good things for you and your sister, but I was thinking even if it's just about how you come to the table, kind of having that as a paradigm for myself, that repair and corrective experiences doesn't necessarily have to end in like a different relational result. But the way that my body comes, the way that my heart, my energy, the way that I kind of even care for myself internally in the midst of a difficult circumstances. So thank you. Thank you for that. Those were two very different stories that Rachel and Mary Helen told. And yet as they listened to one another and reflected back and forth with one another, I could hear some of the themes that began to emerge. And one of those that I heard was really this theme of courage and bravery and how much it takes in relationship. Those two things are so necessary. 
I loved how Rachel talked about covenants of friendship and that they can be places of life and beauty and sanctification and just what a sacred gift friendship is. And I also loved Mary Helen's honesty about the fact that sister friendship can just be complicated and can be a place where there is the need for repair. As I think about what I'm gonna be taking out of this conversation between the two of them this week, I think the thing that stuck with me was the description that the two of them had for sort of the inch by inch bravery that Rachel exhibited as she made her way down the hallway to cry out to her friend for help. And as Mary Helen picked up on that and talked about where she was gonna borrow some courage from that, I thought, you know, me too. I love that idea that inch by inch could be enough. Sometimes we can't go any further than that. That's the thing I'm gonna be thinking about this week. I hope you found something that you'll be thinking about too, and we will see you next week. The Red Tent Living Podcast is produced by Katie Stafford. Our cover art is designed by Libby Johnson, and our guests are all part of the Red Tent Living community. You can find us all at redtentliving.com as well as on Facebook and Instagram. If you love the stories shared here, we would be thrilled if you left us a review. Until next week, love to you, dear ones.